This podcast brought to you by The Shine Shake, available at KieranDunstonMD.com. Hey, it's Dr. Kieran. Are you like most women where most mornings you run out of the house with nothing to eat and maybe you stop at a fast food joint for something to eat or you skip breakfast altogether? Maybe you are suffering with diagnosis sketchy breakfast choices. Sounds like you, then you need to listen up because if you want to have brilliant health, it starts with breakfast. And what I'm going to recommend is that you check out the Shine Shake. It starts you in the morning with 18 grams of protein and low carbs in a delicious vanilla latte flavor that you can put two scoops with water in a shaker bottle and you're out the door. Fast, easy, healthy, and inexpensive. It helps you to balance your hormones, detoxify, and nutrify your body so that you can have brilliant health. You're listening to episode number 54. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Kieran here for another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. I'm so glad that you chose to spend time with me today. And I want to tell you about my guest today. We're talking about fertility, and specifically fertility after the age of 35. If you haven't had a baby and you're 35 or approaching 35 or older than 35, then getting pregnant is probably something that concerns you, your ability to get pregnant. A lot of women have a lot of fear around this topic. And so my guest today is going to help shed some light on whether your fears are valid or not and what you can do to help preserve your fertility as you get older. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Omatma, also known as Dr. Om, which is the coolest name ever. We're going to talk about that, why that's so cool. She's a naturopathic doctor and nutritionist who specializes in women's health, and fertility. She is the best-selling author of Fertility Secrets, What Your Doctor Didn't Tell You About Baby Making, and she's the host of Egg Meets Sperm podcast, aimed at teaching you everything you need to know about successfully conceiving and carrying a healthy baby. She is a sought-after international speaker and a guest for broadcast and internet media on the topics of women's health and fertility. And she was awarded the Best Alternative Medicine Practitioner of 2015. Welcome, Dr. Alm. Thank you so much for having me here. So first, we're going to get into talking about fertility. But I love your name, and you said that people call you Dr. Ohm, A-U-M, which is the first part of your name. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about what that means, and I immediately recognized, hmm, that's the sound associated with a chakra. And you corrected me and told me. It's, it's, it's the eternal sound is what OM is, right? So you're, when you say that sound or a lot of people like chant it when they're meditating or in yoga, um, that sound invokes every single chakra, 
and moves up our, our spine. So it really literally like moves the energy towards our head and it integrates all of our bodies. So our spiritual body, our emotional body, and our physical body, and kind of brings it all into synergy. I, I love that. So every time you hear your name or say your name or somebody says your name, whoever is in the vicinity of that is really aligning energetically their chakras, which is something I love talking about, the energy body. And yes. I know that's not the focus of this podcast, but I just think it's so cool to, to have that as a part of a, like an affirmation of your energy field on a regular basis. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, it's a kind of an interesting name to have and be given. But I once I started saying it out loud, because uh, this isn't my birth name. So once I started saying the name out loud, the more it resonated with all of my chakras and stuff, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Uh, so definitely, I, I still feel that way. It's like, oh my goodness. It's, um, it's kind of nice to hear it hear my name as well as say my name because it's just like invoking that energy as much as we can. Right, which we can't do enough. And I definitely want to get into the meat of what we're going to talk about, which is fertility after the age of 35, a big concern for people with the rates of infertility increasing almost to epidemic proportions among younger women in their 20s and 30s, and certainly astronomically for women in their 40s. So let's talk about first how big a problem this is. It's huge. You know, one in six couples between the age of 18 and 35 are having difficulty conceiving. So that's not even accounting for all the women that are choosing to wait till later in their life to even start trying to have a baby. So you know, uh, it's affecting a lot of couples and there's a lot of factors that are going into it. But one of them I feel like is just our environment and the toxins in our environment and uh, like the exposure to those things is throwing out of, out of whack or out of system our hormones, which is making it much harder to conceive. Definitely. And we're definitely going to talk about endocrine disruptors because I agree the data really shows that that is the problem for both men and women in getting pregnant but how would a woman listening know if she has a problem or not i used to find when i did office space obgyn there was a lot of confusion i would have some people come in and they'd say well i've been having unprotected intercourse with my partner for two years and we're both healthy and i haven't gotten pregnant do you think there could be a problem and i'm thinking "Mm, you should have been in here a long time ago and yeah. then I would have other people who'd say, I tried one month and I didn't get pregnant. What's wrong with me? So <laughs> define for people how to know if they have a problem or not. There's a few things that I think we could be looking at. So one is definitely conventional medicine says you're if you're under the age of 35 and you've been trying consistently every single month for at least one year and you're not able to get pregnant, you may have some issues with fertility. Or if you're over the age of 35, then 
just trying for six months is enough of a marker to let us know that something might be an issue. Now, with that said, I think that there's a lot of pre-markers that we could be assessing and keeping in mind for ourselves as women that I don't think people talk about as much. So I think that First of all, if you were put on birth control for hormonal issues when you were young, just assume that it's going to be a problem. Like, assume that fertility is going to be a problem if the reason that you were put on birth control to begin with was um, hormonal. So you had lots of cramps, you had PMS, um, just things were out of whack, and you went to your doctor and your doctor said, you need birth control. And that helped solve the problems that you are dealing with, then more likely than not, fertility is maybe not even going to be an issue, but at least something for you to think about and plan for, rather than just going in and thinking you're going to get pregnant right after you get off of birth control. Can you talk about why that is for people? Can you help them understand why that is? Yeah, you know, I think that birth control is used for in our culture it's yes it offers birth control to begin with but it's also used as a a way to help women young women balance their hormones and a lot of times what's happening is underlying things are getting masked by the fact that these women are on hormones so pcos polycystic ovarian syndrome is probably the most common thing that people are getting put on birth control for without being diagnosed with it. So they don't even know that they have an issue until they get off of birth control and they try to have a a baby. And then the second is really the, um, the progestins that are in our birth control pills will cause a woman to bleed, but that bleed is not equivalent to an ovulatory bleed that would happen in a natural cycle. So a lot of women think, oh, I'm super regular. I bleed every single month. Uh, <laughs> but that bleed is such a, uh, a, like a fake bleed, essentially, from the progestins being taken away when you get to that first part of your cycle. So it's not actually causing the body to go through a full cycle of ovulation, releasing an egg and all of that. So I think that's part of it. And and then the other part is things like endometriosis, like women who have the intense cramps or pain uh, when you're like even early in life and they get put on birth control and they think, oh, I'm fine now. Like, it doesn't hurt as bad. And so we just masked all of these things that could be happening under the surface that aren't going anywhere, right? Like they're not magically disappearing when you're on birth control. And birth control isn't really solving a problem. It's just saying, here's a pill to fix it. But as soon as you get off of the pill, now you have all of the same issues that you had before you got on the pill. Uh, so those are those are really good, important like um, tellers or telltale signs that this might be an issue later in life. Um, beyond that, I think that even women who have not been put on birth control, um, if you're having symptoms, so the easiest is you have irregular menstrual cycles, you 
have lots of PMS, cramps, uh, any like hormonal type things, those are all things that you could be working on well before you get to the point of, okay, now I want to have a baby. So I'm a promoter of like, let's work on this stuff before you get to that point of 38 and now you're like freaking out that pregnancy is not happening. Uh, you could have, you know, helped help support your body and the healing process in the years that came before. And honestly, like we're talking about her brilliant health, like, yeah, we want to feel vital and we want to feel healthy. And who wants to deal with like eight days of cramps every single month, right? So I think right. that that goes a long ways in helping support our fertility and, and um, helping balance those hormones well in advance. Right. So I just want to just reiterate some of the things that you brought up because they were excellent points. I've interacted with a lot of people lately who I have to assess their medical history in a very rapid fashion. Mm -hmm. And I ask them, do you have any medical problems or do you take any medi quick, uh, medications on a regular basis? Those are the two questions that I ask to get a quick shot overview of their health. And consistently what I find is that people tell me, no, I don't have any medical problems. And then I say, well, what medications do you take on a regular basis? And they say, Losartan, uh, <laughs> cholesterol medicine, and metformin. And they give me this whole long list. I said, but you didn't, you said you didn't have any medical problems. And mm -hmm. they say, well, I don't. My blood pressure's controlled. My blood pressure's controlled. My cholesterol's controlled. And I, well, wait a minute. <laughs> You don't understand, and, and I find that people don't understand, and so if you're listening, you need to understand, if you're on a medication to control a medical problem, you still have that condition. I don't care if your cholesterol <laughs> readings are normal. I don't care if your blood pressure readings are normal. I don't care if your blood sugar readings are normal. You still have diabetes. You still have high blood pressure. You still have high cholesterol, you're on a drug to control the symptom. And so Dr. Ohm's point is very well taken and you need to pay attention because we women are guilty of this. We, we have menstrual problems, which is a very common indication in our teens and early 20s for birth control pills. Standard of care per ACOG, American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, is to put people on birth control pills for menstrual irregularities, heavy, painful periods, that's standard of care. Uh, and that just masks the symptom. It does not treat it or make it go away. You are not normal. And now that your periods seem normal, you still have the same problems. It's like, you know, I was trying to think of a good analogy. This is the best one I could come up with when you were talking. If a woman were to bind her breasts so she was flat chested and then got some silicone implants and put them in a bra on the outside, it's not, you know, fixing the problem. It's just masking it. That may not be a great example, but it's the best one I can come up with. I'm going to come up with a better one. So what she's saying is that a lot of times we women, we mask the symptoms for years with birth control pills. It gives us an artificial period that is not a sign that everything's normal, but you think it is. Oh, I have regular periods and I bleed normally every month. Mm. And 
then you get off the pill and you want to get pregnant and what happens with a lot of women is you then blame it on the pill i can't get pregnant it's that birth control pill it's <laughs> not the birth control pill right you had issues with your hormonal balance system for years that were swept under the carpet and you didn't pay attention to and now you want to get pregnant and most of us blame it on the pill so i think this is really important because if you're listening and you're on the birth control pill or you've been on it and you've done this and i know i've been guilty of it too because when i practice that type of medicine i really believe like oh we fixed that problem so wrong <laughs> Uh, and I, I took birth control pills too back in the day and Devil Provera and oh, as long as it <laughs> wasn't a problem, I thought everything was fine. Right. So if you're listening or maybe you have a daughter or a sister or your mom or a, a friend who is in this category, I want to shake you and go, wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> yes, it's so needed. Yeah, it, I think that. You know, as women, we need to, like, share this information with other women, even if we're not trying to get pregnant right now, right? Like, I feel like every every woman should have this knowledge and in her pocket and, like, understand what's happening in a, in, in a menstrual cycle in the course of a month is crucial to the balance of what happens not only in the fertility phase, but what's perimenopause going to be like? What's menopause going to be like? And all of that is determined by what we're doing when we're 15 and deciding, oh, I need this to not be an issue. So I'm going to put myself on a pill. To yes, definitely. And I'm actually getting ready to do a series kind of your female body 101 on my youtube channel that's going to take people through what is your menstrual cycle how does it work what's happening what controls it and i'm going to do one talking about birth control pills and the things we're talking about so mm -hmm. stay tuned for that but awesome. let's get into it you're 35 38 you've been on the birth control pill you've gotten off you're not getting pregnant what should you do how does this work the first step is to test. And I know that a lot of uh, OBGYNs may not agree that testing is super critical, right? Like a lot of, um, I've seen a lot of doctors, at least locally, who say, oh, you don't need that yet. You're just keep trying. It'll be okay. And what happens emotionally, I think as a person who's trying to conceive, you start freaking out that every month you're getting your period. Like, what's happening? Why am I not getting pregnant? So one, I'd like to start with dispelling the myth that you're going to get pregnant on the first try. Like, this is, it's not going to happen on the first try. The, the chances that you could conceive on any given cycle if you try at the exact perfect time and all of your hormones are in balance, the chances are 20%. So that's not a really big chance to get pregnant just like that. So let's dispel that myth and let's stop assuming that our bodies are just going to like magically, oh, I'm going to have sex once and it's going to be great. Uh, but instead, put it in the context of like, yeah, this is something that is going to take a few cycles. And 
if you've tried for a few cycles, then it's important still, like there's no need to freak out. Um, but it's important to know what's happening with your hormones. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women will come to me and say, I want to work with you, but I don't want to do any of the tests. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, exactly. Like, I'm like, no, it's really good for me to know exactly what's happening in your body and what's happening with your hormones so that I can support you without the magic wand or even throwing like every single thing that we have at you because we want to know exactly where you are. We need a baseline. And for me, that baseline at the very minimum is the essential hormones, luteinizing hormone, follicle-stimulating hormone, anti-malarian hormone, and estradiol. And those four uh, t- um, tested on day two or day three of your cycle are enough of a, a glance at what's happening internally with your fertility. Okay. So a lot of women are familiar probably with estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and how they should cycle. And you can probably get information or talk about the information that you get from those, but especially from the anti-mullerian hormone. I think a, probably a lot of people are not familiar with that. Yeah, so anti-malarian hormone has traditionally been used as a marker for how many eggs we have left in our ovaries. And I'm putting it in air quotes because it's uh, the latest studies on that are actually saying that's not true. Like we can't use this hormone as a predictor of someone's fertility because they tested, they did a group Two, they had two groups, the control group, which had, um, or they had one group that had really great anti-malarian hormone levels based on age, and the other group had low uh, ovarian or anti-malarian hormone, I was going to, I was about to say ovarian reserve, sorry, that is not true. Uh, anti-malarian hormone was low in the second group. And what they found is that over the course of 12 months, both groups had equal percentages of successful pregnancy. So it really was not a predictor of how well someone was going to be able to conceive or how quickly or how well they were going to carry to term. Um, So more and more that number is becoming, um, is standing on dicey ground in a lot of ways, but we still, I still use it. I still want to have a baseline. So I'm not going to, going to be the doctor that says, oh, your anti-malarian hormone is low, you're screwed. It's just not true. But it's, it's good to just have a marker. And it's at least giving us a sense of how many eggs there might be in the ovaries. Mm-hmm. Um, if that number is low, usually I want them to go to their OBGYN and get an antral follicle count, which is a more accurate way to assess how many eggs there are in the ovaries. So, and help, so help everyone understand what your favorite predictors are for ovarian reserve, meaning the amount of eggs that they have is it LH, FSH, sex hormones, AMH, follicles. What 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 are your favorites? 
Yeah. Uh, so I want to combine. I usually am looking for ovarian reserve based on three things. We want estradiol below 50, anti-malarian hormone, ideally around one, uh, depending on age, of course. If they're 30, then we want it around two. Uh, and we want um, follicle-stimulating hormone to be below 10, ideally around eight even. Uh, so when those numbers are all at their optimal levels, I'm like, okay, this is going to be easy. Like, let's just support your egg quality. Let's kind of do the basic foundational things to do precon preconception care. Usually what happens is if they're generally, if they're coming to see me, it's not going to be that easy, right? Like they've already been trying for a long time. Um, and the tendencies that we'll see is if follicle stimulating hormone is high, that essentially means that the brain is signaling to the ovary and the ovary is like, what are you talking to me? Why are you talking to me? <laughs> well, wait. The brain is actually shouting. The brain makes FSH, and it's shouting at the ovaries. Yep. Make some eggs, right? So <laughs> yeah. the ovaries, they have fewer and fewer eggs, and those eggs are slower to respond because yep. they're getting a little older. Then the brain starts shouting, right? And so those right. levels go up for everybody listening. So exactly. what Dr. Ulm is saying is that, that as that FSH goes up and it gets past 8 or 10, your eggs are really, they're not responding so well. Right. To the exactly. brain, so then they don't respond well to sperm either. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so that's, that's a really good marker. So if FSH is starting to climb, your brain is screaming at your ovaries, your ovaries are like, I'm sleeping. Like, <laughs> stop bothering me. Uh, and then the other marker is the estradiol, the estrogen levels. So when we have high estrogen levels, the quality of the eggs is going to go down. So um, the more exposure that these ovaries and eggs have to estrogen, the more likely it's going to be hard to get pregnant or much harder to stay pregnant. And these will be the women that will have Mm, like maybe they get pregnant and then they, they're like five weeks, nine weeks, and then they have a miscarriage, right? So they've usually experienced loss after loss after loss. And it's, it could have been avoided if we had um, testing done early and understanding that probably the egg quality is being impacted. Right. And just for everyone listening, that estrogen going up or being higher, like Dr. Ohm is saying, often happens with conditions like PCOS, because what happens is the eggs aren't great quality. They get recruited when the FSH is coming from the brain and a lot of follicles start developing and they make a lot of estrogen, but the progesterone really doesn't come on board to cut it off which is mm -hmm. progesterone's dimensional timekeeper, and you just get this swell of estrogen. And so that, that's why that relates to egg quality. So if you've got PCOS or you have delayed menstrual cycles, which often happens by the time you're 35, 40, then this is a sign that your estrogen's going up. And just by the way, some other symptoms you may have are 
waking, bloating, foggy thinking, difficulty sleeping. You may or may not start with hot flashes, decreased sex drive, because this affects every cell in your body. It's not like your sex hormones are in an isolated box, not mm -hmm. affecting everything else. It affects everything. And hence, mm -hmm. this, I call it the straw that broke the camel's back when you're <sighs> old. And, and then it just affects everything else in your body. <laughs> so those are your favorite tests. Mm -hmm. And uh, talk a little bit more about that or how you start, what your approach is to working with them once you discover the difficulties. Say their eggs are getting older. Yeah, so if the eggs are getting older or they're not of great quality, uh, then we usually want to start working on egg quality. And there's a lot of supplements out there that can help support this process. Uh, I can I can share a few of my favorites, and yeah. they're not always the favorites. It's very dependent on what else is going on and how do we support other things, right? So I'm I'm the type of person that's like, let's take one supplement that helps address a multiple of different things rather than putting you on ten different things. Uh, but my favorites tend to be melatonin, which is really well studied for egg quality. Um, this one is great if someone has trouble sleeping as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it will help support your sleep and at the same time support your egg quality. Uh, then we have CoQ10, which is really, 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 really popular. Uh, resveratrol is probably my third favorite. And then things like alpha-lipoic acid, acetyl-L-carnitine, uh, glutathione, all of those are great depending on what else is happening in the body. So if we need to detoxify, then probably N-acetylcysteine and glutathione will be great. If we need to, um, if we have a woman who has polycystic ovarian syndrome, we might use alpha-lipoic acid because it has an effect on the insulin and how much, mm -hmm. um, it, like how, how well the receptors respond to insulin. Yeah. Uh, so we can kind of uh, pick and choose the antioxidants based on what else is happening and what else we need to be treating. But antioxidants are crucial in helping support egg quality. So that one, you know, that's probably the, the starting point. And then, of course, if we're talking about diet, then lots of green leafy vegetables combined with a variety of different colors. Uh, people often are like, what's the perfect fertility diet? I'm like, one that doesn't make you inflamed and has lots of antioxidants, uh, which means you eat a variety, you eat lots of colors, and uh, you avoid things that your body might be uh, causing an immune reaction against. So I love that because a lot of people aren't aware that melatonin is an antioxidant as well, the CoQ10, the resveratrol, and I love how you might use the alpha-lipoic acid for its kind of dual effect, its effect with blood sugar. And these are nutrients. Some people might say, oh, CoQ10, that's for people with heart issues. Well, no, it's for people with bodies because it affects all the cells in your body. And, you know, I like a lot of people, I'm wondering if you use salivary cortisol testing because I, I love to help women understand that 
one of the reasons why you don't get pregnant is because your overall health is not at an optimal state. It's not at a her brilliant health state. And your body ontologically is designed that if your health is not at a level where nature is sure that you're going to, one, produce a healthy baby, and two, be around to take care of it until it can be independent. <laughs> the age of 18, your your body says, no, no baby for you. It, it oftentimes cuts off your sex drive, and it will cut off your fertility. And so I really like to help women understand that it's, it's almost a protective mechanism. And so there's a reason behind it. Yeah. And some of the uh, infertility technologies, modern infertility technologies, shall we say, that are used in mainstream medicine basically ignore all of that and just override the system and tell the tell the body no damn it i said you're gonna make a baby and <laughs> make a baby with right. these extreme technologies but the, it ignores the fact that there was a reason there was some mm -hmm. health deficit in that woman and it's gonna show up later whether it's during pregnancy and gonna affect the baby in some negative way or labor or postpartum or during that child's life. And so I think we do women a great disservice when we don't acknowledge and investigate these root cause issues like you're talking about, that they are inflamed and need antioxidants, and that's why the ovaries are shut down, that they are insulin resistant. A third of adult Americans are insulin resistant, yep. Yep. right? Which goes along <laughs> with inflammation too, that we're ignoring that. Um, and that increases your risk for a whole host of diseases. And so I love that you're working with them on the root causes to treat that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, thank you so much for what you just said, because that's exactly what I tell people. I'm like, your body is not trying to reproduce if it knows that one, you're going to have an unhealthy baby. And two, you're not going to be around to take care of it. And that's Honestly, I feel like that's as much true for the woman as it is for the guy. Yeah. So we ignore a lot of times the guys in this equation. And from what I see happen a lot is they're being told, oh, your sperm are great. You're fine. Go ahead. You're, you're fine. We don't need to do anything with you. And, and then I look at some of their results and I'm like, this is not fine. It's fine <laughs> if you're going to do IVF completely not fine if you're trying to have a healthy baby and you have you're like pre-diabetic so let's talk about how that's gonna happen when your kid is 10 years old you know like 10 years from now you probably have diabetes so um i think that we do need to start having this conversation as like what is the health of the couple and how do we up-level it so that it, not only do you get pregnant, that's the byproduct of you having a really healthy body, mind, and spirit. And infertility is just one of the many symptoms that you can have. It's a, it's a red flag that's going, oh, there's probably something going on that you need to address. And, and when you do, you'll be able to get pregnant like pregnant your your our human race is 
biologically trained to reproduce. It is what your body would like to do when it's in its healthy most state. But when you're not there, you're not at her brilliant health level, then your your body's like, nah, I don't know. I don't know if I should I should reproduce. <laughs> you know, I just had this idea. What's your her brilliant health score? Right? <laughs> yeah. One hundred. If you if depending on all the symptoms you have, you know, for every symptom you gotta go down from a hundred, you know, by five or ten points. And so if you can't sleep, that's five points. If you know you're hungry all the time, that's five points. If you have brain fog, that's five points. <laughs> and then you know, it it's not just the infertility, it's everything. And so by the time you add up all those symptoms, if you take five points off for each, if you're at a fifty, then you know, the, the infertility goes along with it. So, and just want to mention, thank you for mentioning about the men, 55% of couples who can't get pregnant, I believe is the number. It's a yeah. male problem. At least that's what it yeah. used to be when I was in the office. Yeah. And I, we used to have a hard time getting the men to give sperm samples because they'd say, I don't, nothing wrong with me. Uh, because it's just a cultural kind of indoctrinated belief that it must be a female problem or wrong. Uh, so 55% majority of the time is actually a male problem. So yeah. that's always one of the first tests that we did. And, um, so I love that you talked about diet. You talked about, you're talking my language, girl, uh, <laughs> root causes. And so what are some other uh, treatments that you might explore with people who are trying to get pregnant? Yeah. So in our office, we have a four-step process to helping people get get to the optimal health level before they start trying. And uh, our first step is, of course, what we've talked about a lot is discover. What is the root cause? What else is happening? Uh, adrenals are a really big contributor to what's happening with our sex hormones. So uh, yes, we need to look at the adrenals. Have you been stressed out and pushing yourself to the limit on every level for your entire life and your existence up to now? If so, you probably are pretty depleted, right? Like we need to just replenish your your vital life force so that you can pass it on to another child. Um, so adrenals, thyroid, uh, toxins in the environment. Um, what else is potentially impacting how well your hormones are functioning and how well your ovaries are producing the, the highest quality eggs and then your uterine quality. So how well can this embryo implant and grow a child? So we need to look at all of those things. So discover first, then detoxify, then rebalance. And rebalance is all about um, yes, your hormones, but also your like things like your gut, for example, right? I was talking to a lady yesterday who has been on antibiotics consistently for 18 months um, for Lyme disease. And her, and she's like, and now I'm thinking about getting pregnant, but I know my gut is a wreck because I've been on antibiotics. Yeah. And 
my hormones are out of whack, I don't feel good, I can't sleep, like all of these issues that we would need to address before we say, okay, now you have the the green light to go ahead and start trying. So rebalance. And then our last step is what I call the woo step, which is receive. And it's all about how we um, help kind of relax the mind, body, and spirit so that you can, um, like, that energy is in the right place for you to be able to conceive. And I know you'll appreciate this because you like the chakras and all of that. So um, that's our, our woo-woo phase where women who have been stressed out or they have, maybe they've had a pregnancy loss and they have the shame and the grief that gets housed in the uterus, all of those like emotional things that, we don't necessarily think about, but they're playing, they're having an impact and they're playing a role um, in how well we're able to conceive. I, I want to get more into that. I do want to mention, you brought up something really important about the toxins. And I really think that women need to be aware that in this day and age, we are inundated in a soup of toxins. And most of us doctors are not telling women that they need to get be divesting their bodies of these toxins on a regular basis. So if you're listening and you're, you're a toxin storehouse right now, yeah, you are. <laughs> and so before you consider getting pregnant, one of the most important important steps you need to take is to divest your body of these toxins because folks these toxins do cross into the placenta cross into the baby and actually certain toxins particularly heavy metals the baby will preferentially take up they will suck it up from you and this is why some babies are born that are very unhealthy because they do absorb toxins and they don't have the defense mechanisms that you do often. But so just hear that. So you need to get a consultation with someone like Dr. Ohm before you try to get pregnant to find out what you need to do, what toxins mm -hmm. you have. You also might want to look at your genetic defects or called SNPs because that's going to predispose you to yeah. having a baby with problems or not. Yeah. And you yeah. want to address that. So, yeah. And yeah, sorry, if I can just yeah, go quickly ahead. jump in there um, with the SNPs, it's like so many women come in when they're over 40 and they've heard like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to be greater at risk for genetic defects and my child not, may not be as healthy as I want. And and like we have so many couples who've gotten pregnant after 40 and none of them have children that are uh, abnormal or have developmental issues. And I think the reason is because one where we know what's happening in the body. So we've discovered like, oh, you have this MTHFR mutation, the most most popular, but not the only one. Um, <laughs> so if they have this uh, genetic mutation where their body's not functioning as well as it could, then you have a kind of a, a predisposition to passing it off to the child or you're missing a key vital nutrient like folate for MTHFR defects, where you're going to create an uh, imbalance or a lack in the child, which is then going to go on and 
and cause other issues. So, I, you know, like addressing it from all of these levels and making sure I have this patient who I, I did a whole history. I was like going through it. We did a detox months later. I'm like, something is still going on and we testing her lead and, or no, it wasn't lead. It was aluminum. And I yeah. was like, where is your aluminum coming from? Like we've already detoxed this stuff. And I was like, and then finally it occurred to me, I was like, what kind of pots and pans are you using? Earlier, I find out months later, she's using these aluminum pots from the Philippines that are put, giving her body aluminum. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe we missed this. But she's like, oh, I thought these pots and pans were great. I've been using them forever because my great grandmother used them. And I like brought them over from the Philippines. And here we are, you know, months into the program. And I'm like, oh no, we got to get rid of these. We got to get rid of the chemicals. Um, similarly, I have patients who are using um, conventional makeup and it's going right onto their skin. And I asked them about it and they're like, oh no, it's a really great makeup line. And, I'm, and I've, I've stopped believing them now. I'm just like, tell me the brand, right? Just tell me the name of the brand. Um, and I'll sit, I just have to spend the time to sit down and go through it and make sure that it's not sneaking in in some way that I don't know about. Right, and so detoxifying is key. And I know I could talk to you for hours. We have limited time, but I wanna talk about the energetics. Yeah. So I remember when I learned from my acupuncturist years ago that the womb is considered the second heart in the body in Chinese medicine. And I've learned so many other fascinating things about the womb, the uterus that I surgically removed, probably definitely hundreds, if not thousands of them in my career. And how, how you talked about women having regret or the energetics around the womb after having a miscarriage. Talk about that. I don't think that most women are aware of this issue. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a very subtle thing. But when we got pregnant, we generally, if it's your first time getting pregnant, you're excited. You're like, oh my God, this finally worked. Amazing, right? And you're excited. Yeah. And and then you are growing this child and you're maybe you even see a heartbeat you kind of get attached and and then if you have a miscarriage you now just have had a loss and a lot of women are encouraged to just keep moving right the OBGYN will say oh one in three women have miscarriages it's completely normal and it's not a big deal. Just go ahead and try again. And it'll be okay the next time. And then, like, maybe they even try again. They get pregnant again. And the second time around, they're not as excited because they didn't actually process the grief from experiencing loss the first time around. And now they're scared, right? Like, add the fear element into, like, 
oh my gosh, is this going to happen all over again? And it's traumatic. Like having, um, going through a loss like that is really, really traumatic. And I feel like our culture doesn't actually empower women to take a pause and say, hey, it's completely normal for you to be grieving. It's okay. You don't have to get right back on the horse and try again and get pregnant again next month. Like give your body some time. And we're like, as doctors, we're so reinforcing the the belief of like your the clock is working against you and you need to just go 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 but after experiencing a loss like that you need to grieve and often I'm encouraging patients to do a ritual around the grief like let's help you process this before you get pregnant again and about what your ritual is that you help them with? We will devise a ritual. So it's always different for everyone, but it's often like writing a letter, like write a letter to the, the baby that you lost and feel like you can be connected to this child even if they're not in your womb right now. Uh, and it's okay to feel connected and and like honor that child, that spirit that came to you as a potential child to be and that honoring and that space allows women to say oh wow like there's still a part of me and my life and it's and I think the other part is like we think that it's not okay to grieve because it wasn't like it wasn't manifest in a in a body outside of me right like this child didn't become manifest if someone experienced a child loss after the baby is born that's intense right like experiencing the loss of a child that's in a physical body it's almost just as intense when even if you haven't given birth to this child so show that that's the case it's what's studies have yeah. shown yeah. that it's equally as distressing and traumatic to lose a child who's in utero as it is one who's outside your body. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it's just important to recognize. It's important to allow women to take the time and space. And I, again, I'll bring the men into this conversation, they experience loss just as intensely. So even though they're trying to hold the space for the woman and are like wanting to be supportive, and at the same time are suppressing all of their internal emotions. So if you know, when, if and when couples come to me and they've experienced pregnancy loss prior, uh, I I'm like, we need to help support both of you. Like, this is for both of you. And a lot of times the women's like, no, it's worse for me. And I'm like, no, we cannot dishonor the man. Like, just because he wasn't carrying the child doesn't mean that he wasn't connected. Yeah. And his his grief is just as valid in this process. And he might grieve through anger. He might grieve through getting disconnected. He might grieve through multiple different ways but if we can help them come together and do a ritual together then it brings them closer rather than pulling them apart 
Um, so that's where I that's where I go with the the grief and the processing of it. And and then the last thing that I can say about the energetics is we do a, a mind body technique that helps to highlight in the body where the grief is being stored or fear or whatever it is. I've had women that are like never had a never been pregnant, never experienced a loss, but have an intense fear of childbirth. And to the point where their body's like, no way, like, I am not allowing you to get pregnant because as soon as you get pregnant, that means there has to be childbirth. So we have to, like, highlight, oh, this is stuck in this little area of your body. Let's bring, and that awareness helps to release that energy. And then it's not stuck there anymore. Um, so we do this work of um, the mind-body stuff where just like, let's make sure there aren't emotional things that are standing in the way of you getting pregnant. Um, I can give a quick example if we have some time. Uh, I had a 38-year-old female, 49-year-old male, mm-hmm. and he, so I'm working with the woman, we're balancing hormones, all of this stuff. And then for the guy, everything was quote-unquote normal. Like all of his tests were great. The sperm were great. There was like everything was check, 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 check. And six weeks into working with them, I found out that he has chronic pain. And I'm like, wow, he never told me. Like it's not on his forums. It's not anywhere. And his wife was like, well, he goes to an osteopathic doctor and he's fine. Like it's managed. And we're going back to the managed thing, right? And I'm like, "Mm, yeah, no, I want to look. I want to have a pass at this, right? Like, let's bring me into this conversation. So I'm, I meet with him, and he can't sit down. He can go from standing to laying, and that's it. So he's like, oh yeah, I stand at work, and that's kind of what I do, and I can't, I can. I can't sit. They have a three-year-old child already. And um, so we're going through this process. I'm like, let's do the mind-body stuff. And it turns out that he has a huge fear of being the older dad. He had a dad when he was five. His dad was 50. And he's like, that was the worst thing ever. And I hated it because my dad couldn't play with me and he couldn't pick me up and he couldn't, he was just too old. And that was his experience of of his childhood. And so he had the intense fear that he was repeating this cycle if they got pregnant again. Um, So we we ended up working with him and kind of um, working on his emotional state with around the fear his back pain went away in six sessions. Um, and two weeks after resolving all of his back pain, they got pregnant. And, <laughs> and, and like resolving his back pain was essentially re- helping him move through the fear and acknowledge that the fear was there, acknowledge that the fear was getting stuck in his back. It was creating his back pain. Um, and as soon as we resolved all of it, they got pregnant. And scientifically, yeah, (laughs) scientifically, I can't say, oh, it was because of the emotional stuff that we did. But the truth of it is like, they 
hardly had any other imbalances, that was the crux of like the tipping point of what needed to be shifted to be able to help this couple conceive. So it just goes to say like, even the guy's emotions, I think are playing a role in how much or how quickly we can allow ourselves to get pregnant. Right. Very interesting. Uh, and I, I just want to mention what you said about the grief. We really, as physicians, are not trained in how to help patients handle the emotional aspects of what they go through. When you have a hysterectomy, there's a grieving that goes on, a grieving for your loss of fertility, a grieving for a loss of your body part. When you have any part of your body surgically removed, there really is a grieving process, but we as physicians are not trained in that. And this is something that I've had to learn on my own is to help people really work through that and process that. And I think that we often underestimate the amount of crying and discharging of emotion that needs to happen to appropriately honor and process an event like a miscarriage. And I even have found this for myself and with clients I've worked with, where it's like, oh, isn't this over already? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, haven't I cried enough? Sometimes no. Yeah. And, you know, energy, uh, emotions are emotions it's their feelings in motion it's energy and it needs to move and so if you're just holding it in and oh I had a miscarriage and the story well you're bottling that down and you're taking energy to keep it suppressed whereas if you and if you think about it or if you see a commercial and you burst into tears that's a sign that you have unresolved emotions and so those need to be processed and, and brought out um, because otherwise you are bringing a baby into that energetic space that's unresolved and that energy is creative. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. It only transmutes and mm -hmm. Einstein showed us that energy is matter. So it's, it's something that needs to be dealt with. Absolutely. Yeah. So true. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I love that you have shared so much practical information for women listening who maybe are considering getting pregnant or having trouble getting pregnant. Or, uh, and I would love it if you could leave them with three take action steps. What would be your top three take action steps? If maybe they're thinking about getting pregnant or they're having trouble, what would you recommend? That's great. Those are great questions. So first take action step is make sure that you're getting lots of sleep, drink lots of water, and eat really good food. Organic, non-processed, lots of colors, lots of variety of food, right? Like start with the basics. Okay. Second step is get tested. So get yourself and your guy tested. Um, and then third would be if you're having difficulty or you have a history of um, menstrual irregularities, cramps, any like hormonal symptoms that you had in your, in your younger years, if you had those things, find a doctor sooner rather than later who can help you deal with and, and better rebalance your hormones before you start trying to conceive. And then, of course, 
sorry, that's more than three, but <laughs> of course, um, detoxify, detoxify, detoxify. So make sure you get all the chemicals out of your, your body, your home, your makeup, your pots and pans, like you name it, like figure out where these toxins are hiding and get them out. And actually, I don't know if we have a way to offer something, but I'd love to have um, one of my eBooks is called the Divas Detox Guide. And it's essentially like talking about how to get rid of all of these toxins from our environment. Yes, we can put a link in the show notes. And if you put it in, people can link to, click on it and go to it. I love that Divas Detox Guide. (laughs) And um, I also did a great interview. One of the first three interviews I did for the podcast earlier this year, or actually uh, in September of last year, was an interview with Laura Adler, who talked very- Oh, awesome. She's great, yeah. And so definitely check that podcast out if you're thinking about getting pregnant, and listen to Dr. Ohm. So one is the basics, good sleep, good food, and clean, lots of clean water to get tested, you and your man. And um, three is... Find someone to support you if you know you've had hormonal imbalance in the past. Right. And then four is the detoxing. So you've got top four take action tips. (laughs) You have shared so much wonderful information. Thank you so much for this information, for sharing your comprehensive, holistic approach with everybody listening. We all greatly appreciate it. And the name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health. I'd love it if you could share with everyone what that means to you. (laughs) So I love the, the title because for me, what it brings up is optimal health. Like you want to feel amazing, energetic, vital. You have the energy to do the things that you love to do. You have downtime, you know how to do self-care, like all of these things are components of her brilliant health or having us live our best lives. Yes, I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Ohm, for being here with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Hopefully you are inspired to take action on some new information you received today. A step towards the bountiful, blissful, beautiful vitality that you deserve. If you have health topics and questions you'd like addressed, please message me on my Facebook page or visit KieranDunstonMD.com and let me know. I'd love to help. Remember to share this podcast on social media and send it to your friends and family who could benefit from it too. If you love the show, please go right now to iTunes, write a review, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll be the first to know when future episodes are available. Thank you again for joining me. And remember, achieving optimal health isn't magic, it's science.